and that emotional connection is what creates that bond. Whereas if it is simply a technical or, you know, kind of a surface um, relationship where basically, yes, the architect took the program and they fit it all within the box and they checked off, you know, we've got this, we've got two of those, we've got three of those bathrooms, we've got an elevator. And if it simply is a list, to me, that's the difference between success and, and not having a successful project. It's the difference between a building and architecture. What's architecture really about? Archispeak is the show that dares to peek under the architectural kimono, exposing what architecture really is, what it is that architects really do, and show you why we're passionate about our chosen profession. I'm Cormac Phelan. Join Evan Troxell, Neil Pan, and me as we have a casual conversation about all things architecture, which includes all the stuff people don't talk about. Think you already know what architecture is really about? Tune in and find out. For some Arcaspeak. All right. Well, welcome to episode 15 of the Arcaspeak podcast. I'm Neil Payne. I'm Evan Troxell. And I'm Cormac Phelan. And Evan, I believe you have some friends of the show you'd like to announce. We do. This week, we had several people become friends of the show. And the first one on the list is Mark R. LePage, Mark from Entrepreneur Architect. You can find out more from Mark at entrearchitect.com. And he gave... Uh, 10 bucks. So thanks, Mark. We really appreciate it. Next, we have Steve Steneker. Steve is uh, our hero, right? He gave $50, and we are blown away by his donation. Thank you very much, Steve. Next, we had Tim Barber. Tim Barber is a $20 donation, and he asked us to say that it was a donation made by a Cogill Hall alum from Virginia Tech. And the last donation that we have this week, friend of the show, is Smart Tools LLC, a repeat offender here. They donated again two weeks in a row. And you can learn more about Smart Tools LLC at smarttoolsllc.com. There's one T in the middle there. And they make an iPhone app for doing punch lists, which could be very beneficial to many of our listeners. So thank you, everybody, for being a friend of the show this week. And we really appreciate it. All right, so this week we're going to talk about constraints. And Evan, I think you had an explanation of what you think constraints are. Yeah, so when I think about the projects that we work on, and I don't think it matters the the scale, there's always a list of constraints that we can rattle off, you know, um, that in particular, I guess the reason I think about this is because Typically, it's stuff that people who end up either seeing or using the building are, are never even made aware of. And I'm wondering, um, I guess the ultimate goal of talking about this is, is there a way for architects to tell stories about these particular constraints? Because I think it makes the project more interesting and it makes it more real to the people who see it and use it. Um, when they understand the things that we had to deal with, whether they're financial constraints, whether they're physical or geographical, um, whether they're programmatic constraints. There's all kinds of constraints that we deal with. There's stylistic constraints, whatever. Um, And so that's that's kind of the basis of the idea of constraints in architecture. And I'd love to see kind of where we can take it tonight. So there we are. Well, well, can I... Can I start it off uh, by playing devil's advocate real quick and yeah. ask, do Please. do we really want the end user to fully understand the constraints or do we want them to enjoy the spoils of those constraints without, you know, really understanding all of the toil that kind of went into it, but really just kind of focusing on, okay, all of this 
um, happened with all of these things, you know, all of these challenges, all of these collaborations, everything else that all of the constraints that were thrown on it. But what we really want them to see is um, just the kind of like unadulterated, here it is, here's the end result, enjoy it the way you want to perceive it. Well, I mean, as far as they're concerned, there aren't any. I, that's how I can right, see it. Right, right. I mean, I, I, I'm, I guess I'm asking only because um, do, do you really want to know <laughs> do you want to know what it takes a doctor to go through to do a knee surgery or do you just want him to do the knee surgery, do it right so that you can get up and run the triathlon again or something like that. And I, you know, I, I'm kind of trivially trivializing it, but. It, well, I don't know if the, the users need to know the constraints, but sometimes it, it would be maybe helpful if, um, if you understood why decisions were made, yeah. I guess. Yep. It's like, why did they do that? That makes no sense. Well, you know, that might have been affected by something else that was affected by something else or, uh, you know, this domino effect is oftentimes, um, you know, when when I'm dealing, in fact, a project I was working on uh, just today uh, was, you know, they they wanted to change the program. We had redesigned the house. Well, uh, as a result of that, we added almost 300 square feet to this house. And it was like, okay, well, red flag, better call a client. Do they really want to do that? You know, they, they added these changes without even realizing that, you know, they were going to completely change the, uh, the, the scale of the, of the house as far as it's where it fits in the program. Yeah, there's some things and, like that you know, where, so- where you make a change without knowing what the ramifications are. But then there's other things that just show up. And as the designer or the architect on the project, you have to deal with it. Um, and so I guess, I guess those can be – sometimes they're the same thing and sometimes they're different. I mean, for instance, I guess one of the one of the I think that constraints like that can make the story of the project more interesting, which which also translates to people understanding architecture more if they know the story, Um, because if they know the reasons why you did something like you're saying, Neil, then I think that maybe there's a little bit more understanding of what we do, which I think is better for the profession, you know? Yeah, no, I, I I know where you're going with the the with the topic and the question, and it, and I wanted to play devil's advocate, just wondering whether or not it enhances kind of like the the experience by knowing all those constraints. And actually, the way that you just explained it, um, you know, gives me a better perspective on on what it was you were you're really going for. And it, and you're right. I mean, there's. You know, the dynamic of, you know, and you can look at it, you know, maybe from a client's perspective um, that's been really active in a project. And let's say, Neil, um, the project where, you know, you're having to add, you know, 300 or potentially adding 300 uh, more square feet to this project and and all of the different little things that have happened. and, And so when the client sits back, when everything's done and they go, wow, you know, I can't believe that we're finally here. We've done this. We've done that. We changed this. We changed that. And they can sit there and they can look at where they started and then where they finished and kind of just see the interesting little, you know, path that, you know, rises and falls and twists and turns and everything else. Um, and can really kind of understand that, man, that was a hell of a challenge to get there, but, Look where we're at. Yeah. Well, well, I think that that's the 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 story of uh, of any building. Um, I think we always find pretty fascinating because I mean, pick up any architecture magazine or or you know just about any magazine. You know, they're always telling the story uh, or the background. Isn't it fascinating though to learn the background about how a particular building was built or how it came together? or why certain decisions were made. Well, there you go. It's the story of the constraints of the right. project. Now, this is a little bit off the constraint 
um, topic a bit, but it's interesting. The, the the current project that I'm working on, you know, the as everybody's probably heard, Annapolis Elementary School that we're doing all of the these stitching together two buildings that you know were 117 and 107 years old, and we're stitching it all together. One of the things that we're you know developing a presentation about the project right now, and what we're what I had always intended to do was because there's an elevation change between the two buildings that we have these long corridors that, you know, have some, some of it's ramping, some of it's not, but, you know, we have these corridors that stitch these two buildings together. And I've made these recesses in the hallways that were, have always been intended to display photographs of the histories of these two buildings and kind of bringing these two buildings together both, you know, through their shared history, but also, you know, showing like, you know, the graduating class of 1897, you know, and then showing construction and, and just kind of stitching that story together to kind of tell a history that would normally be lost in a renovation where you just come in, you see the old building, it's kind of beat up. It, you know, it really didn't, you know, it looked like it probably should have been torn down. Then you came in, you revitalized it. Now it's, you know, bright and shiny again, but the history that those two buildings had throughout, you know, this hundred plus years gets lost, you know? So, but so to kind of, retell it um you know that these these have been contributing members of the community for so long you know by photographs and all that other stuff we you know i, I thought it was a kind of a fun opportunity to kind of do something that told the story a little bit more than just um you know saying okay here's where the building was here's where the building is now and you know look what we did to kind of connect them uh, a little off topic, but it was, you know, we were talking about telling the story of, yeah. of the, um, you know, how of how things get there. And, and I just thought I'd share. Well, I think that's where there's, there's the biggest opportunities in the projects that we do are in solving the problems with the constraints that we have. And the more people that we can kind of share that with, I think it really shows how people who are in the field of architecture, um, you know, to use the cliche, think outside of the box with the, the way that we're solving problems with the way that we have issues coming at us from all different angles, whether it's a client or a developer or a consultant or, you know, an ordinance or whatever it is, a city, you know, it could, it could be a, a governing body. It could be anything. It could be the code. Um, there's all of these things you have to synthesize into a solution. And the more that we can involve the clients and just the general public in that process, um, and show how, what we do is important. I think that that's, that's an important aspect to you kind of changing the perception of architecture and what architects do. I guess that's why I think constraints, like people realizing what these constraints are and us kind of educating people on what they are is important for us. I don't think we do that enough. You know, you get at the end, you have a product. It's seen as a product right, that right. the builder delivers to the owner. And at that point, you're almost in the background. I mean, I was at a at a ceremony the other night with one other person from my firm and we were mentioned as the passing breeze, but everybody who sat on the board of directors for that body of, you know, for that place, I mean, they were the the heroes of the night. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so that's what I mean. Like, I, I feel like, and I felt like that was a really successful project. I feel like we really did enamor people with the story. And that's why we were so successful with the solution we came up with and that they, they did approve it. Like, you know, hats off to them. They are the ones who said, yes, this is the thing we want to do. And we were kind of masters at, at crafting that story to enable them to do that. Right. But at the end of the, at the end of the day, we were a very small speck 
in the presentation of the success of that project. And I, and I, I'm trying to figure out ways for us, you know, to be a bit more relevant. You know, that, that. and that tends to happen a lot. I remember one time we had such a huge undertaking to get a public, public pool um, designed and constructed in, you know, a more disadvantaged neighborhood. And, um, the site was a challenge, you know, the neighborhood, you know, constant vandalism during both, you know, the um, design and measuring process all the way through to construction. I mean, there were some, you know, some really interesting, you know, challenges that we faced. And through the whole thing, I mean, we kind of helped guide everybody through the process to kind of get to the very end. I mean, we were, we, we went at, it felt like we did more and, and this was early on in my career. So, you know, it kind of felt like, and now I'm learning that that's kind of what we do. Um, but you know, we were the, we were the guide, we were the educators. We were the ones who kind of shepherd, actually that was the word I was looking for. We were the shepherds that, you know, kind of, you know, pulled everything through. And when it came through the dedication ceremony, everybody was up there, you know, spit and polished and looked great they called everybody's name out. They, you know, thanked everybody. And at the very end, we're all looking at each other. It's like, so nothing, we don't get anything. Not, not, not a thanks to the architects. Nothing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. throw me a bone, something, just say, you know, Hey, and the architects did a great job or something, you know? It, and it's interesting that I notice a lot of times when we go through all of these dedications, it, it is the roll call of the public officials and, you know, it's the back padding. Exactly. Totally. And, and so the, so, so let me ask you this. I mean, is the constraints or understanding of the constraints um, or, you know, calling our name in a dedication or something, is that kind of a, our, our call for a little bit of validation. I don't want to sound cynical here, but um, I mean, is it, you know, just like, you know, Hey, we did have a part in this kind of thing or, you know, I mean, it, I mean, what do you think? Well, I, you know, if that, if that doesn't happen, I think you feel pretty marginalized. Right? And, and you know what? That's it. You're right. I mean, we do. I mean, um, you know, a lot of times you you just, just just say thanks, man. You know, kind of thing, and and you're and and you are, and when you're left out, you do kind of feel slighted and marginalized. You're just like, wow, you know. I mean, honestly, uh, you know, it's like I'll go back to you know this current project. I mean, right now I'm in year four of this project, and I've got another year and a half to go before it's occupied. Um, and I, I can pretty much say what's going to happen at the dedication. I mean, I'm going to be standing out in the crowd. Um, our firm is going to be standing out in the crowd. And they'll probably say, you know, and thank you to our design and construction team. And as they've said on many of the other ones, and not acknowledge much of anything. But, you know, now this is five years of our life. You know, in fact, yeah. actually, in some cases, seven years because of, you know, the early studies and, you know, the um, assistance in helping fund it and all of that other stuff. So yeah, we're, we're, we will be marginalized. Yeah. And I don't know if, if the topic of constraints, I don't think I really meant it to go in this direction. I know I mean, this I, is where it is, sorry. but, but no, it's okay. I, you know, I, I guess what, yeah, I'm not sure where that where that's headed. You know, I I I mean, I think everybody kind of feels that every once in a while for sure. Um, and that's and yeah, I mean that that leads a different well, let me, down a different road. Let me road. ask you this guy. Let me ask you guys this question. Um, you know, without constraints, um, how do you even how do we even design? I I know. Yes. Many many years ago, I was asked. Um, you know, when somebody asks you, you go to a party or whatever, and Oh, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm an architect. Oh, wow. How cool. Um, haven't you always wanted to design your own house? I'm like, oh, God, no. Um, <laughs> no, because... The sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. You know, I could design anything. I could spend the rest of my life designing my own house. Um, no, I, I never wanted to do that. I did, but um, 
that's a whole nother story, but, um, the, you know, so, I mean, so that, that, that was my, my fear was that I wouldn't have any constraints. And of course that wasn't true. I, I had budget and, and since we remodeled an existing house, um, you know, I had uh, an existing footprint. I had, I had, I actually had a lot of constraints. Um, I couldn't go out further than the existing footprint, uh, of the house. So I had to make everything work within. And, uh, I found, I find it incredibly difficult to design without constraints. Yeah, no, I, I totally you know? get it. And I, yeah, it feel, it seems like constraints help you make decisions, right? Well, you have <laughs> instead to, of, you, instead you, of, you, you make choices. Yeah, instead of the unending, what if this, and or what if that, and, and you could just never decide, right? Well, sometimes that decision or, or that, that, um, the major constraint is time. Yeah. Um, there's a deadline. And I know when, um, when I'm designing, uh, or, or like when I was in school one time, uh, I had a, a family member pass away right at the beginning of, um, it was my second year in architecture or something. And, uh, so I, I was away for two or three days and I came back and I had like essentially one night to design a project that everybody else had been working on for like three or four days in, in class. And so my constraint in that case was, okay, you've only got so many hours yeah. in the day or that, that night to basically design something, build a model and, and present it the next That's morning. That's a great way to get things done, man. And holy smokes. Yeah, actually, uh, in that case, um, the rest of the class, um, or for the rest of that quarter, we, we were doing a group project. So the, like the next day, uh, or the day after we had to select, um, you know, other classmates to partner up with, to be part of our group. And, you know, I had missed like the first four days of class or something. So I didn't really know a lot of people. And, uh, I had people come up to me afterwards, um, and say, we, we want to be a partner with you in our group. We want you in our group you because you, you get things yeah. done. You make decisions. And the, the, um, and that, and that I became that person of the group, you know, it was like, okay, we got to make a decision. We make it. Yeah. And I, it, I wasn't a very popular person after that class was over that semester. <laughs> and, uh, but I mean, we had a great project and, um, you know, we, we did great at it. Well, but, I, I mean, think th when you have that time constraint, yeah. you have to make quick decisions. And, um, you know, sometimes you would like to spend more time, but if you do, you kind of meander and wander when you yeah. have that, that time constraint. And sometimes it's a budget constraint. It can be a lots of different things. Yeah. I think, but like, you, I think what you yeah. were saying, one thing that's, that's interesting is a lot of architects, I guess anybody in a, in a creative field don't know what to do if they don't have a deadline. You know, I think we were raised on deadlines, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And so if you don't have a deadline, you're kind of sitting there twiddling your thumbs like, Oh man, I could just, I could just do whatever. What, what, what am I going to do? You know? Well, we procrastinate. Yeah, exactly. That's a topic yeah. for another yeah. episode we yeah. have coming up. Yeah. In fact, I actually explained to like, you know, um, our architectural interns and like, forget about the linear time as you know it. Your life is now going to be um, demanded and dictated by deadlines, milestones and deadlines. That's how you will live your life for the rest of your being. <laughs> Probably scares the crap out of them, but it's fun to say. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, another kind of, another kind of constraint like that we had on, on one of our projects, this was, um, we had a, a fault line running through our site. And so that caused us to make decisions programmatically and structurally that if you were to visit the building, you would be like, why the heck did they do this? You know, why, why is the library floating over nothing? <laughs> and why is there a column holding it up that's canted at 22 degrees or whatever it was at? You know, and that's because of this, and this is kind of a weird thing to talk about because it's like you know you've got a fault line and the building is safe if you are exactly 20 feet away from that fault line give me a break right <laughs> but that's that's what the rules are or whatever whatever the distance is right and so it's like that's where our footing had to be this is where the space had to be up above that and so we had to kick this column out to hold it up but i think visiting that you you know you would never know that there's a fault line there right it's an invisible 
on the site. You you would never know that it's there. Um, but it runs through on this diagonal angle and it goes right under the library on this building. And so it's like what we did, somebody could come in, another architect, just somebody who's visiting, whatever, and just be like, man, they spent way too much money with structural gymnastics doing this. Why didn't they do the more efficient thing, blah, 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 blah. And again, this is just kind of getting back to the whole thing of the people who actually visit the site probably don't know what the constraints are that you had to deal with. And so in this case, it's it it, it could be construed as not the right thing to do, the decisions that were made. Um, and I think that, you know, the more the, the more projects that we do, I think we start to learn to create experiences out of those decisions so that so that they become interesting and so that it brings up the opportunity to tell the story. You know, and I guess wow. I guess I think that's a really important and interesting piece of our of the architecture. You, you know, that, well, what's a good way to tell that story, Evan? I mean, do we need to like create a little photo <laughs> like a plaque? Coffee table There's a book? kiosk, well, yeah, or uh, you know, it's a, a web page for the building, or a you know, a coffee table book that we publish, self publish, or something um, that kind of tells that story. Uh, you know, for historical purposes, or well, I think that goes back um, to Cormac's uh, idea of yeah. you know creating way you you kind of embedded in the building but i think you know the really good stories are ones that spread word of mouth and so if you can get the user group that you're kind of dealing with as you're going through the process to really get into it you know genuinely if you can get them excited about the story that you're creating or that you are embedding into the design they will just naturally tell other people because they're going to Hey, you know, come check out this new thing that we did. And when they're walking through it, they're they're going to be excited to tell other people about that. And then they're going to tell other people about it. And the story will live on. It doesn't have to happen at a, a grand scale. It just has to happen for the people who care about it. I mean, and I think it kind of organically spreads naturally. Organically yeah, naturally. Yeah, you, you know, it, it's... <laughs> <laughs> <Arcus speak there. laughs> what I think what Evans, you know, initial idea about constraints, it that's a story that's really hard to tell. I mean, and in, in fact, a lot of times, it, you know, as as we're talking here, it it goes unnoticed. Um, it's really difficult to if you're not involved with the project throughout the entire process. I mean, you're really never going to know it. And, and it's hard to capture that in, um, you know, in, in the building and the final design and things like that. I mean, you, you know, the, the final design is a result of all of those constraints, but, um, you know, it, it's really hard to kind of tell that story and kind of present the story to the layman that doesn't know. I mean, um, you when you were giving your example, Evan, I was thinking to myself that some of the worst offenders to not knowing or not appreciating the constraints that are on buildings are architects. Think about how many times you walk into a building and yep. you spend you judge you it. spend time you do you judge <laughs> it you spend time looking at all of the the trim the you know the finishes you look at you know why did this line you know kind of just stop here shouldn't have kept going here you know and we know we well, we are actively involved yeah. in all of these different you know types of decisions and you know and and demands on a project yet we're the ones who are probably more critical about end results as it, you know, and, and almost completely negate the the fact that there were all of these constraints. Yeah. I mean, this, if you, a lot of times, I mean, you know, this working in the public arena in public works, it's, it's financial. The constraint is financial. Oh, yeah, yeah. You start off with grand ideas and they slowly get compromised because of finances. And, Architecture is expensive, you know. I mean, there, there's a lot of. I, I totally get what you're saying, and I we do it all the time. Well, I mean, right? you know, you know, we're looking at, you know, we we like everybody like to see the finished product. We like to see the pretty pictures in the book. 
we like to, um, you know, go and experience a place kind of almost, um, almost like we were going to Disney World. And, you know, we want to see it for the first time and, and kind of experience the fantasy of the place. And then when we get there, we, you know, being the architectural professionals with, you know, the typical cynicism that we kind of bring to, you know, the table of things, we, we look at it and you're just like, you know, I mean, why, why is this jutting out in that direction or, or why is that column at 22 degrees um, and why is that, you know, uh, media center or library or whatever floating over an empty space? And, you know, it's just like, you know, we, we sit there and we kind of like, you know, dig into things and try to grab a hold of it. But in a way, though, you know, in, you know let's, let's turn that around, though. We actually are trying to pull out the constraints off of here's our final view of what it is. We get overly critical about you know, certain things or, or we kind of latch on to, you know, certain ideas and stuff. But then we start to pull out, you know, well, maybe they, you know, had this, you know, happen or maybe they um, found that, you know, we were renovating a building and it didn't have uh, footings. And so they had to do this, this and this. And that was what the end result would have, you know, had led to it. So maybe in a way, you know, our, kind of criticism of the end, you know, the end result, and then kind of like rationalizing why we, why that would have happened is kind of pulling out and kind of commiserating with the uh, constraints. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think also a lot of times when, I guess, when you're judging, if, if you're not even at the building and you're judging it, I mean, that's one thing, but if you're really there and you know, not, it's not every time the building can speak for itself. Right. Um, and which leads back to the difficulty of telling the story, but there's sometimes where it's like, well, the library had to be on the second floor because it critical that it was adjacent to this space and this space. And those only can happen on the second floor. And because of that, the library gets this amazing view and this amazing daylight and, we also were able to create this previously unprogrammed space down on the ground floor that's now a covered lunch shelter, you know, because of that. And so there's extra benefits that we got out of um, really figuring out how to float this space over mm -hmm. nothing. Um, you know, there, and, and I think, again, the, well, there you just pointed out the value of. An yeah, those are right? those are the opportunities that that you that you created from that problem that was presented. Um, that that nobody thought could ever nobody thought of that recipe before you came to that solution. Yeah, it's it, yeah. it's funny you say that because you're you're explaining this project that you worked on, and you know this this project that I'm working on. Sure enough, three story building, top floor, is the media center, and you know, people are, people have always asked, well, why is the media center on the, you know, the third floor? Um, and you try to explain it to him, you know, first they didn't, they, they don't know the space, you know, they don't know all of the existing spaces yes. and they don't know that <laughs> this is really one of the only, only places that offer that amount of square footage. But then you take it, take them up there in this particular. And yeah, exactly. You've just got to yeah. go there. We take them up there. We show them that this it's got views of the state capitol, of the Naval Academy, of the um, the harbor, of the uh, the city docks and all of this other stuff. And it's got basically at th in this media center, you have got so many layers of American history just unfolding in front of your eyes as you're standing there with a book in your hand. And once they actually get up there and they can see it, they're like, wow. Uh, okay. So, sorry. Yeah, you realize, <laughs> you realize that the building is miles away from those other things, but you were able to pull them into the building and make those things, the state Capitol, the Naval Academy, part of the building yeah. and part of the experience. I mean, that is like, that's the story I'm talking exactly. about. Yeah. We did that. We did that on a K eight school design that that we worked on, and we aligned one of the corridors that had floor to ceiling glass on the end of it to point right at the university that was 
a few miles away, but you could see it. It was the biggest complex, but it was like, we want these kids every single day to see where they're going. And that, and that's the kind of thing where it's like, nobody can see that on the set of plans on the paper. You've got to go there and experience it and see like, oh my God, like this is, this is perfect, right? This is, we're setting these kids up for success. And we're able to do that because of all of these, you know, not only that's a geographical constraint, but we were able to manipulate the building to take advantage of that. Instead of looking at it as a negative, you know, the way we had to orient the building and pack it on the site and get it to work with the grades, we took advantage of this amazing opportunity that nobody even knew existed until we put it down into that. And yeah, and, and that's kind of what we did there, you know, another one. Thing just, it's exciting. just kind and, of a, and Evan, you got you guys got a bonus for that, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I just feel good that the kids get the and, bonus, and that's that the thing, you know. Uh, and there you the, go. And Evan's right. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, so you know, I was telling you, we've got all these you know corridors that are winding through the connection of these two buildings. Well, when this addition that we put together wasn't there between the two buildings, if you were standing at one particular spot on the site, you could look through the buildings and you could see the state capitol. So what we ended up doing was basically the center point between these two buildings is a, a turn in the corridors. Well, the turn in that corridor is all glass, floor to ceiling, all the way through. Um, so anytime you're walking and you're on access with that one view that you used to have before the addition was there, you're now inside the building recapturing that view right on over to the state capitol building. So every time a kid walks by, you know, they still have that reconnection with, you know, state government and all of that other stuff. But then we went one step further and I placed the new means of egress, uh, the new fire stairs in line with that corridor and put glass in that too. So when you're outside, you can look straight through the building and see the state capitol. And so you kind of reconnect, you know, with all of these different things that the site used to offer, but you never really knew it. And now we're framing it out. And ultimately at the end of the day, when, you know, teachers are walking through, they're like, Oh, look, state capitol, you know, kids are going to kind of keep it in the back of their mind. And well, it becomes a teaching opportunity. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Awesome. You know, and I guess that's that's one of the whole ideas behind constraints. And, and I think a lot of times we, I don't know if we do, but people look at constraints as being a, a negative. But like Neil said, you know, how do you design without them? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but number two, I mean, the, the biggest thing is like, this is the stuff that makes it architecture, yeah. right? This is the I'm this is the stuff that gets me the most excited about architecture is being able to take all of these things and manipulate them to become a positive impact on the project. And, and, and if we can take our clients through that and make them a part of that process, then I think they really do start to see the value um, of going through that with us. You know, it's, it's not even the value of an architect. It's just going through that process, being a part of it and being exposed to something that they never would have normally been exposed to. And then that's a great thing. Well, think about the project that you were talking about and the constraints that you had and, and the excite, excitement that you had presenting that to the client and explaining to them, okay, yeah, we've got this big, huge problem, but here, you know, check this out. This is how we solved it. And this is what you kind of get out of it. And, and, and you're just rolling along and you're saying, and we did this and we did this and we did this. And you're just so filled with excitement. I mean, that is that right there. It's contagious. It's just yeah. as fun, you know, for you as it is for when the end result is, is that, you know, you get this really cool space and, you know, it's an, an opportunity for like, you know, you know, extended learning and all of this other stuff, you know, yeah, you've got all of that at the very end, but then it's, you know, your fun of being able to teach other people how all of these constraints led to this, you know, extraordinary opportunity that can be, you know, continue to be used for, you know, time to come. You know, so yeah. yeah, and then the project, then your project manager steps in and says, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, Lo looks good. Start <laughs> over." Are you speaking from experience there? Oh, Neil. <laughs> no, he's referencing could tw Twitter comments from uh, the last week or two. Well, yeah. but you know, I mean, 
And that's when you try to become contagious with your excitement and, and get the project project manager on board. I mean, you know, opportunities don't have to be the negative, um, you know, cost overrun things like that. You know, you just you, you take them and you kind of make them as a as um as best as you can, right? And that that well, that's what we do. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 the design process, right? right? It is. I mean, that we, that we go through, we, we do, we, I mean, a, a program in and of itself is a list of constraints. Yep. And then it's our job to find the opportunities, um, within those. And that's the value of architecture. And, and it's amazing how every single person who were to tackle that problem would come up with a slightly or majorly different solution. Yeah. I think that's such an amazing thing. Well, that's why it's good to have a, um, you know, on a, on a team or a project team, you know, to get everybody involved. Um, or in some cases, I know one, one firm I worked at, we, at one point, um, you know, like stopped, uh, stopped work on, I don't know, Thursday or something at noon and pulled everybody in. We gave everyone kind of an overview of, uh, this fairly large project that we were doing and kind of the, the general scope and, and some information about it and said, okay, now everybody break into, you know, two or three teams and, um, do a, do a little design charrette for the afternoon. And at four o'clock, we're going to have some wine and some goodies and everybody pin up your thoughts and ideas of, of where we could go with this. And, you know, I thought that was a, you know, a great way to involve everyone in the office uh, to get some ideas and, you know, do a little brainstorm on, uh, you know, how do we solve this puzzle uh, of constraints that we have uh, to come up with a project for our client? Oh, yeah, sounds well, fun. You know, now take that and then go to the next layer because, okay, so now you've, you know, you've, you've done all of this stuff and you've, you know, kind of, everybody's kind of brainstorming and got their minds wrapped around the, you know, the problems and the opportunities and, and the objectives of the project and stuff. And then you pull in engineers and um, surveyors and things like that. And they're like, well, you know, you got to do this and this and, you know, the, you know, say it's an existing building that you're renovating, you're like, well, the, the your, you know, floor to floor height's only 10 feet and you've got to get all this duct work and plumbing and, and everything else. And then you start, you know, now you're adding even more complexity and, <laughs> and, you know, um, layers on top of that and you're, you know, now you've got to figure out, okay, um, oh, and by the way, the building doesn't have, um, an existing foundation. So now you've got to, you know, you're throwing all of this stuff in, you've got to, you know, do underpinning and stuff. And then you start throwing all these layers in and stuff and you, in the, you know, complexity of it becomes even more. And so it's more opportunity to be able to kind of like wrangle in all of these constraints and say, okay, well, you know, here's my preconceived notion of what I really wanted to do. Now here's the reality of things. How do I make, marry those two up? And what, so, you know, what, you know, what new solution can I come up with? And, and I, I've always enjoyed, you know, being able to kind of like do that, you know, be able to kind of like wrangle all of that stuff together and just say, okay, here's what we've got. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, Evan, you were saying this is like, well, you know, we, you know, people come in and they're like, well, they don't really fully understand why you did what you did, you know, and why this column is doing that and stuff. Um, and they don't see those constraints, but it, it's, it's, I guess in a way, I mean, how, how do we, you know, I guess we want to come full circle. How do we actually tell that story? I mean, how do we, you know, we, we, there are, you know, so many different things about this. How do, you know, I, I don't necessarily think it is the coffee book table, you know, you know, coffee table book. It's the, you know, how do we like really tell the story? Well, you know, it is important for us to tell the story, but I also think it's, it's, really important for us to involve the the owner of the building or the group whoever's involved to become the ambassadors of that story and so it's 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 our job to tell right. it during the process but it's really for them to take it over afterward yeah. and, and make it part of part of their their operation and that and that i think is the recipe of the successful buildings is being able to 
<coughs> excuse me, being able to involve the client enough where, you know, we always, you know, <laughs> whether it's a love-hate relationship or whatever, we always love our buildings and put so much into them that, you know, we're, you know, we're an easy ambassador for that. But it's getting the actual user group owners and, you know, people, you know, and even contractors to yeah. love and appreciate the building the same way we do so that they actually can share that story. And I think that I think you're, you're right. Yeah. That that's pro that's what makes, you know, more successful. Well, it, it comes down to creating an emotional connection, yeah. right? Like you said, you got you you love the building. It's your job to to hopefully get get everybody in the, on the team to love the building. And that emotional connection is what creates that bond. Whereas if it is simply a technical or, you know, kind of a surface um, relationship where basically, yes, the architect took the program and they fit it all within the box and they checked off, you know, we've got this, we've got two of those, we've got three of those bathrooms, we've got an elevator. And if it simply is a list, if it is a uh, a list of qualifications or a program or whatever it is that were just simply checked off, to me that's the difference between um, success and and not having a successful project. It's the difference between a building and architecture. You know, I was gonna, <laughs> I was just about to ask it. Can you tell the difference between the formulaic checkoff? you know, all of the different, hey, yeah, we got this, we got this. Can you tell the difference between that approach and the one that's, like, truly loved? And, you know, you, yes, you, you already answered it. So I was I was going to ask the question, if you can tell the difference, and you can't. You really can't. I mean, any anybody in our profession can't tell the difference between, um, you know, a building and architecture because they're two completely different things. Yep, I, I I agree, and I think it's our job to educate the general public about that. What makes what makes it architecture, yeah. and what makes it just a building? It's good stuff. You guys want to wrap it up? Sure. Well, on that note, if you have any questions or comments, please visit our website at arcaspeakpodcast.com or on our individual Twitter accounts, which are listed on the website. You can also follow ArcaSpeak on Twitter, and uh, please remember to uh, post links to interesting topics or articles that you see on our Facebook page, and don't forget you can also call and leave us a message at our phone number, which is 415-484-8496. And if you can, leave us a review on iTunes as well. Yeah, and something new that we're starting this week is if you would like to get the notes from the show delivered to your inbox when the show goes live, we would love to uh, send you that stuff. So go to arcaspeakpodcast.com, and on the right-hand side of the page, you can enter to subscribe to the show notes, and we'll just send those to you so that you don't have to go to the site and look for them. That would be cool. Well, that wraps episode 15. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next time. All right. See you. Thank you, guys.